Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Shrimp and Sivret Show, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Shrimpy, welcome back. Uh, obviously, a lot has gone on since our, our last podcast. Uh, a lot of free agents. Agency. There's a lot of talk going on with obviously the Goudreau um, situation. And I noticed behind you, it looks like you got a couple of your consolation <laughs> prize championship trophies. Uh, where are you at? Is no, this like right a basement now, or what? Now I'm actually back in the rink that I grew up in where I honed my craft, Fulton, York, the Fulton Recreational Center. So that's where I, I posted up today to do the podcast. I thought it'd be a pretty cool Pretty cool thing to come back here. And this is where, again, where I grew up. I'll give you a little, little view of it. Here's Fulton, the Fulton Ice Arena. And actually, this is where I spent every single day from the time I was 10 years old to about 14 or 15. This is where I honed my craft right here. And actually, right in this spot, right where I got you focused on was where I ended my Fulton youth hockey career with a headfirst uh, uh, Head first play, I scored a goal and I was watching the puck go in. And I was looking over my shoulder and I, I winded up toe picking and I went head first into the boards. <laughs> I almost broke my neck. So not a good ending to my full-time youth hockey experience, but that brings back good memories. And I thought it'd be pretty cool to do the podcast from here today. So a little rundown of, of the full arena. So I'm happy they let me do it here today. And it's pretty cool to be able to do that because, uh, yeah, this is where I, I literally grew up here. So. I was here eight, nine hours a day from the time I was 10 to 15, spent my life here. So it was, it's pretty cool to be back here because you good emotions and hopefully in, inject that into the how, podcast. Uh, how old were you when you didn't uh, shave off the, the toe pick on those white graphs and almost <laughs> ended yourself in the boards? I was boards. 10 years old. That? So that's squirts. I think I was a squirt, squirt player at that time. And, uh, you know, not that I left the rink but I changed team so um I went to play for a triple a team the next year and uh yeah so that was 10 I stretched out of here I, I remember I, I remember vividly I scored and I remember watching I whipped whipped a wrist or top shelf high glove I was kind of watching it go in and then I just went forward and I was like oh man at the last second I picked up my head and I hit so hard that it like ripped every muscle my head whipped back so hard that it ripped every muscle in my chest 
I wasn't winded. I was like hurt bad. And I was on the ground. I couldn't, I was like, you know, I couldn't speak. I was like, oh, and the guys, my teammates didn't realize what happened. They're coming over. They're trying to celebrate. I'm like, I couldn't speak. <laughs> it was it's like unbelievable. And then they realized kind of the sincerity of it, but the seriousness of it. And then I got, yeah, I got stretched out of here. So anyways, it's a tough way to end it, but again, it's good to be back do, here. And, do, uh, do they have a good time in that trophy case behind you? Do they, do they have any Rob Trump memorabilia at all? Or? Oh yeah. We had, we won uh squirts when uh, I think it was in squirts. We won uh, sectionals and we won one state tournament. So you say we yeah. like, were there other players or were you just scoring? Yeah, no, we actually had this guy, Kyle Quazala. He's my, he's my favorite, one of my favorite line mates ever. Uh, you know, obviously we stopped playing together at, at 11 years old. We played the next year. We all left and went to that other triple A team together. So Kyle was my little scorer, my little wing. He was small little guy, but he could fly and he had a wicked wrister. He's a left-handed shot, played left wing and he would fly up the left wing. And once I was, get, I would draw the attention because I would have three or four goals. So everybody tried to stop me. Then he would just be wide open. I'd hit him up the left wing. He'd come down, get nice and low on this wrister. And he had this bullet wrist shot, high glove. It'd go in every single time. So there was a couple of us. Jamie Schutz was also a good little player. Uh, Tyler Zinsmeyer, there's a big group of us, uh, Freddie Kiefer, uh, Steve Malaro. We, there's a bunch of guys. So we had a pretty good little team actually for, you know, this was travel hockey. It wasn't triple a hockey. It was, you know, like so what kind of playing the small towns. Yeah, what would be like, what would be your population? Your, your, your pulling from just to go uh, in Fulton at that time, back then it was around 10, between 10 and 15,000 people. Oh, okay. So you're real small. Yeah. Yeah. Real, uh, Kyle, Tyler Zinsmeyer and those other kids came. They actually came from another county because some weird stuff happened with their with youth hockey. You know how it goes, political stuff. They kind of got ran out for dumb reasons. Um, so, but then they ended up coming. So it was great that injection of players. Jamie Schutz was from here, a guy named Robbie Williams, uh, Tim Gillard. These guys, that was our core group from Fulton. And so then you, Kyle, Tyler, you're, Freddie. You're, they all so came from you're saying you spent a time, like, what was your a day as a kid? at the ring like are you just draw you're just the rink rat that just wouldn't leave and then you'd find ice and just jump on with people or how does that yeah how are you getting on the ice yeah when every day i come here and uh there's a section over by the zamboni it's like if it freezes so it was always icy and i rip pucks from there all day long and then when one team would get off the ice i'd go out before the zamboni got on and i'd shoot whatever until a guy was like get off the ice <laughs> they're gonna ruin the zamboni blair white and donnie kernan jr were those boys uh they were like my you know big brothers and growing up with them here so I would go out and the guy that bought the rink, Don Kernan senior, uh, he just, he told my family, anytime there's open ice, Robbie can use it. So Robbie and Tyler, my brother, and I, I took advantage of it. So as soon as school was out, I literally came right here. I would get on the ice right before the junior A team would get here, um, skate, shoot pucks. And then I'd beg to get on there. The junior A team would leave. Then I'd stay and try to get on with the, you know, the, the uh, mites. I'd stay on with them if I could, if I just go in the corner and shoot pucks and, Donnie and Blair would buy me pizza <laughs> for dinner and I spent like seven, eight hours a day here. So it was awesome. It was a great childhood. Actually. I really loved it. You should get a car. <laughs> you should move in. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> yeah. I know, man. Thank you. I know. Um, uh, what we'll touch on, obviously I, I get some things going on with development. I know uh, you're back home helping out uh, a lot of the players, the young guys there. So uh, we'll get to that uh, upcoming, but I just wanted to touch on obviously with the free agency. I think the, one of the biggest shocks uh, especially in Canada, um, was the signing of Johnny Goudreau to Columbus. Yeah. Like I, I, it seemed like he was dragging his feet a little bit with Calgary, and I don't want to say playing them, but they're trying to do everything in their power to to get like giving them. Hey, what do you want, man? Like 
you, you, you pick the number sort of thing. And when that's not happening, then you know, something's sort of up, but I just find, uh, the signing in Columbus, I think everyone sort of finds it a little odd, right? Like, like, I don't know, he signed a long-term deal to a team where maybe he thinks there's a, a ton of potential there to have success. And he's way more forward thinking than a lot of the other hockey people in the world. But what, what do you think that your take is on there? Like, you know, I know you were uh, American played in Canada. Does that play a part in in the decision making there, I, I I don't know. Like inside track, it's, this is only opinion only. Or this is opinion only. Um, but I do think it you know does play a factor being back on your home soil. I know for me growing up, I grew up there. I came up to Canada to play on your guys' turf, so to speak. And you know, there's that rivalry growing up. You always have it when you're an American kid. You you know you travel a lot to Canada to play those tournaments. It's you know you're going to their backyard, and then now you're talking about that pro level he's up there it's just you're not you're not on home soil there's there is a piece of that where you want to be back in the states and back to your kind of culture can't that being said i'm not knocking canada by any means i, I loved it up there i love london ontario i loved my time in mississauga uh you know and even when i went pro i spent every summer till i was 25 26 in london so i i enjoy canada very very much but that being said in this scenario where he's playing the game and his job is in canada um i think there is a, a definitely a big piece of it that's he wants to go back home and be closer to home and be in u.s and play in a u.s market um i think i think columbus is a unique place too you know they have a very good fan base but it's not that celebrity status so to speak that you get in canada and not everybody's cut out for that i, I personally enjoyed it i really love that like going to the grocery store and about hockey like i love talking about hockey that's why we have a hockey podcast yeah. now you and i because we love talking hockey not everybody loves that you know, not everybody loves to be bothered every time they go out. And that's what they see it as being bothered. I just see it, uh, personally, I see it as interacting with the community, not being bothered, you know, even if it's an autograph. But sometimes that, that rubs people the wrong way and they want that privacy and, and kind of, I think Columbus might be able to provide that because as I understand it, I didn't play there, but as I understand it, it's a great, you know, there, you have other sports, there's other called celebrities in the town, Ohio State, and the Buckeyes are huge and there's other things of interest there. So maybe somewhere where he can more blend in, be on home soil, be in a good market, uh, still making really good money. He obviously left a lot on the table, but you know, that being said, taxes are a little bit different in each state too. So maybe to, to dive a little bit deeper in there, maybe it's not as much money he's given up, you know, Canada's 50% tax rate. Then you add the escrow agent, all that good stuff. Um, you know, you're looking at more like 65, 67, maybe more, maybe close to 70% tax on your money. So there's a lot of different variables and, and um, you know, it's tough for Calgary because that's a huge piece. Uh, it's, you know, very entertaining player. You don't find guys like Johnny Goudreau just hanging on the tree. So it's going to be tough to replace. But for his side of it, I, I could see that definitely being a factor. Wanting to go home, be in this, again, in the U.S. soil. He's not playing his hometown, but being back in the States, it means a lot. Yeah, you know? like, and, and obviously with the Patrick Lyon signing, he's got a pure shooter goal scorer with him. So maybe he thought that piece where I can, you know, make little dishes and this guy's just going to bang at home. Right. So he could produce more, but, and then, and then new, like Calgary's just getting hammered. Right. Like, yeah. Then the news comes out that, uh, Kachuk is not going to resign. Right. So now you got a, another guy, which there goes a hundred, hundred goals from the organization. You got to try to find somehow. Yep. Like what, again, uh, not to paint the picture, but, another American player playing up in Calgary. Do you, do you like, 
do you foresee this happening more and more where, you know, in, in the Canadian markets, it's, I know it's cold and whether it's, if that's the complaint or, or too much fan base loyalty, I don't know. Like, do you think this is going to be hard for Canadian teams to attract, uh, you know, high end talent? I mean, I'm, it's two situations of, of Americans that are refusing long-term deals to stay in Canada. Like, do you think that's going to be an issue for us up, up north of the border or what? I, I personally do. Again, it's only my, it's only my opinion. I mean, it's, uh, it's set in stone, but uh, I think a couple of years ago, even though with Goudreau, they were kind of riding him and really hard on him. He wasn't having the best time. I think he went through a little bit of a dip and that pressure. And, and I think like in the Canadian markets, it, everybody feels that they can be a critic of the player. Um, you know, there's a, a fan or, or, or a, a writer or, you know, yeah, like a, the media kind of put these guys springer a little bit and it's stressful. I think that weighs in and, you know, when we're talking about it's a, the NHL, you know, it's an organization and inside that organization, there's 32 teams now and there's players want other opportunities to play, you know, go to somewhere in a different market, you know, just like if you're doing it and there's a job opening in, Spain, you want to go to Spain, you, you know, you put your resume in to go there. So in this situation, it's, it's going to be tough. Again, Canada's cold. It's not for everybody. Uh, I always had to dive in and say that I loved it up there. I do enjoy that. I love hockey. So being in a hockey market is something I truly love, but other guys don't so much. Yeah. And that's, it is how it goes. I think, and you see, you know, a little bit of it for me, I was playing in the Island, like our ex teammate was playing for the Rangers, Presty, and just seeing the different types of lifestyle you're living. And, you know, it's, it's hard not to want that, you know, it's hard. And if you have the power and ability to go and grab that, I, I would never knock a player for doing that. I know fans will because they support that player and uh, you know, it's tough for the fans, the fan base. I wonder if like, there's good hockey players in Canada. We know that like, especially out in Western Canada. I wonder if, if the mentality is to go back to how it, sort of was when Montreal was winning cups way back in the day with all Quebec born players. And I wonder if, you know, Calgary and Edmonton have to go home, you know, take scoop up guys from Alberta, scoop up guys from BC, Manitoba, Saskatchewan that, you know, they're, they're accustomed. They grew up in that weather climate and, and maybe you have to lean that way. Cause I, I just, it seems like it's a snowball now. Like this is almost like the first two instances. And, and then you can almost, you know, this is probably not going to be well received, but like you can almost come to Toronto and, and look at the Matthew situation and go, is he going to do the same thing Kachuk is doing, you know, like get me, get me to, you know, I I'd like to go to LA. They're a young team up and coming. They could use him. They got good prospects. It's a way different market. (laughs) You know, you're, you're in front of bright lights all the time. A I chance kinda, to from the win. player side of it, I, I like the, you know, there's so many elements to it. When you speak, you have to almost think about every single angle where you're going to get attacked from almost. But I, I like it from a player's perspective of opening those borders and having that freedom where you're not, you know, controlled like a to meet, so to speak, having these options. And like I said, in any other business, you have those options. When a job opportunity uprises or you want to, you know, try something else out, you have the capability of doing that. As an athlete, you don't really. In hockey, you don't. So now that it's starting to happen, we're, we're seeing players kind of change that landscape a little bit, getting a little bit more control and power back of their own being, going where they're going to be happy. I think it's, as a player, I, I like that. Um, 
I'm sure agents do as well. So their clients are happy, obviously teams, organizations and fans, they're going to be on the other side of that because they're, you know, they're losing out. And I think it's, but okay. So as a new press, like as a business, now you put, let's put on the, the GM hat or the ownership hat. Um, obviously Calgary had a, had a really good team this year, potential to, to do some damage in the playoffs, but I, I just felt like I, being up in Canada, I didn't, I didn't feel like Goudreau was going to take off. So at, at what point do you make the decision as a team to go, you know what, like Fisher cut bait here, like it, it, you know, it, it would be maybe not well received by offloading him at the deadline but it's like now you just lost him for free yeah and probably if you if the player was maybe a little more honest i know he said it came down to the last that like there's no way you knew what was happening the whole time that was leading up to it right but like as an organization if if a guy's not willing to resign and with you then for me i would i unfortunately i would say okay well i'm not going to lose you for free so you either resign with me or you're, we're going to go to the market at the deadline and scoop up three young prospects and a couple of picks for you. You know? Yeah. I, I just, I, it's just hard to see a guy that finished, you know, so high in, in points and such an impact to the team and the league to just go see, ya. they don't get anything in return for him. You know, that's, yeah, that's huge, tough as an organization. Absolutely. That's a, it's a huge investment. And that now that if you think about it as like a call it a, maybe like a startup, the startup just absolutely went to zero. It's done. It's over that investment and that time put in is gone. There's no return. So it's, it is hard. Um, Cause it also leads the void. you know, not only does it, it hurt, but also the void, like you said, there's now a uh, hundred plus points missing. Like, Whoa, that's all. That's all. You, you don't get that in the draft. Like you don't, there's not many 18 year olds. And I don't think this year's draft produced it. I don't, maybe I hope I'm wrong, but I don't see a hundred point guy coming out of the draft this year or next year. I mean, hopefully there is, but you don't find that in the draft. Um, that's again, produced, developed, um, you know, took Johnny some time, not that much time, but it took time for him to get into his own and get this elite level of a hundred plus point score. And now that's gone. Like you said, for nothing for zero. So it's, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say that it was down to the last minute. I'm sure he had it in his mind during the year. Like this isn't something like, Oh, by the way, you have, you know, it's, it's now June. You're like, Oh, you, have, Oh, it could be a UFA this year. Like you're thinking about it coming into the year over last summer. You're already thinking about like, okay, what do I want to do? Again, can't say from experience, but as a player, like there's no way that this was a, you know, just a surprise that he was going to be a UFA and he didn't know what he wanted, but I think it's tough. I think for, tough for me, if I'm a GM and I, like my job is to, you know, run the organization as best I can for the, the longest future I have with the organization. If a guy's not, if a guy's in that position, I think I'm dealing him as, as bad as it sounds like, and, and as big of a, an uproar, the media would take it and the fan base would probably turn on me, but like you either offload a guy for how many games are after the the trade deadline 20, you know, like the last 20 games plus playoffs to scoop up x y and z and z and z like or do you use him sort of as a rental for 20 games in the and then the playoffs and then and he's gonzo for free like i'm i'm gonna try and now that that's happened i i think more gms will probably think that way like you mean like you, you 
if if you want to be there, you've been there the whole time. You you resign. Yeah. Here's the paper. Resign. Here here's you put the, how many zeros you want. It's yours. And if it's like I don't know if I we haven't made a decision. Well, then see ya. Right. Like because like at the end of the day, does the organization of Calgary care about Goudreau now? No, he's not their asset or commodity. I think it might you have know? been. So, maybe I'm only again only guessing, but short sighted in the sense of like, okay, well let's just put this on the back burner and we're going to try to go win a cup because there was a lot of energy and realistic energy yeah. for them going into playoffs. There was realistic expectations there for them to go deep, if not be a you know, contender. So that's also a variable, you know, probably knew it probably didn't feel on solid ground with the player from management side, not having any security, but there's that factor too, of being like, okay, well, let's just try to win a cup and maybe that'll help him want to stay and add another variable to, you know, for him to be, want to be here and, you know, that sort of thing. So I think if they maybe pulled it off, there'd be a different conversation, but um, yeah. And now you got Kachuk, Kachuk in the same boat. And those are big pieces. And the thing is with, I, you know, Kachuk is an even different story because I like him. He's a different player. You know, they're in the same point range, but I like Kachuk does different things. You know, he's an agitator. He's a gamer. He's, Johnny's like that high-end skill guy, very unbelievable hockey player. Don't get me wrong, but you got to put those two in two different categories. Chuck's because... sort of like modern-day peahead, like Corey yeah. Perry, right? Like just yeah. in front of the net, annoying. Will do things just to piss you off because it's a it's a mental game. Come play, it's fun time. for him too. That's yeah, he his, loves it. That's him, and it, you know? and it pisses awesome. people off. And it's like <laughs> it like if I can get someone off their game, then then he's winning, right? And he he's one of the best in the league. I've like, never seen anybody get Drew Doughty so fired up. <laughs> that was fun to watch but uh you know obviously not want to see anybody get hurt but it was it was fun to see that competition and see the competitor chuck is and like he just doesn't give a shit like he you know it's in their it's in their family yeah. like is walt you know the dad was an unbelievable competitor too like played the game tough you know played he was a great hockey player and super competitive family so I think losing him is a bigger, even bigger void to yeah. be honest with you. Cause he does the other things, you know, Johnny's the high level guy, but Chucky is like both. Yeah. And I don't know, like that's a, they're, I hate to be in management right now in Calgary. <laughs> I'll tell you that for free. That's tough. Well, yeah. That's that. Like you almost think like, are we going to rebuild now? Like, what are we, what are we doing? Like what your, yep. your hands are sort of tied a bit, right? Like you lost a hundred goals. Like, how do you replace that? But yeah, let's go. Let's go to my boys in Toronto. Um, we had some goaltending changes. What are your, what's your take on that? They, they picked up Matt Murray and um, Samsonov as their two pieces. Um, what do you, do you think that's, that's the missing link for Toronto? Like, they, we, let's be honest. We haven't won a playoff series in like, since I've been alive, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, is it going to happen? Like, is this the year or is this the year that, that it doesn't work out? And then finally it's like, okay, our guidance is maybe not what we wanted and it's time to move on to someone else. Yeah, it's tough. But I think it's from my perspective, uh, watching the way people are jumping on Murray and already doubting and already like putting him in a corner so to speak, I, I want to go the other way and hopefully the team rallies around that. And they're like, you know what? F these people, we're going to, you know what we're doing as a team, like Murray, you're not, cause that's what it seems like. Like Murray comes in and that's like, he's either the piece or not the piece. I don't think that's fair at all. It's a team game, team defense. And everybody, everybody grabs a rope and pulls. 
So I don't think it's fair to put this on like, that's it. It's over. They got Murray. He said, he's been terrible. You know, he had some great years in the NHL. He did really well. You know, he's had a little bit of a downtime, but the kid, the kid is capable. The guy, I should call him the guy. He's not a kid. The guy is very capable of playing in the leagues. Watching how he's getting jumped on right now is a little bit like, kind of like, what, what do you guys expect now? Like the season's a couple months away and it's already like that, you know, media backlash and everybody that's an expert is kind of shitting on him. What would they expect? I hope he rises to the occasion. I hope the team rises to the occasion and steps up in front of him and gives him a chance so he doesn't have to make 10 bell saves every single night. And they, I hope they do win that playoff series. I hope he's the guy. I hope he regains that. You know, because I put against him in the minors that year I came back from Europe in Portland and he was sick. Like, man, he was really good goal. This wasn't luck. Like, he was, his angles were dialed. He was a competitor. He was super quick. He was a hell of a goalie. Like, he was such a good goalie at that point. Like, he stood out in the game, and that's not easy to do. You know what I mean? Like, he played so well during the game. We played, we only played him, I think, we played him four times that year. But it was, it was so obvious how good he was. Again, that's not easy to do as a goalie. Then he got up to pit, and he was, he was nasty again. Uh, he kept it going. So, I'm not sure what the lull is, but I think there's a lot of capability there in him. I think, again, he's a very capable goaltender. And I just hope that the team rallies around him um, as, I, the one, as the one, the starter. Yeah, you know? I, I mean, I, I hope they do well, too. Like, being from not too far away, I, I would love in my lifetime to, be, to see the Cup go to, to Toronto. But I, I almost just posed the question where it's like, how many players can Kyle Dubas bring in that – have all Sault Ste. Marie bloodlines in it, right? Yeah. Like th there's just there's, there's an abundance of Sioux all over Toronto. And it's been since he's first got in there, right? Which almost makes you like pose the question. It's like, do you do your due diligence to a T or are you just comfortable with sort of what you know, right? If you're, if you're a junior, if you're a, a junior hockey GM, uh, let's say you're Mark Hunter, right? Been with the the night since oh two ish um he's seen everyone come through in all leagues he's he's a guy that flies around the world trying to find players do you think if he was the gm of the nhl team there would be like seven alumni on whatever respective team like i'm not i'm not trying to knock a, a, a junior organization but there's a lot of really good players in the world and to, to be able to find them all sort of from the same junior team, it almost makes me ask the question. It's like, are you just comfortable with sort of what you've known from the past? Like, cause you can go through, like, there's like Thornton, Simmons, Muzzin, um, TJ Brody, uh, uh, Campbell and Nat Bunting. Now Matt Murray, and then Keefe as a coach. And I think the, I think when he took over, he brought in like four or five, hockey ops scouts people that were all sue got it's like okay here like is this the sue saint marie in toronto like i'm not trying to i'm just trying to say as a fan it's like are those the best players possible like don't get me wrong they're all good players are playing in the nhl but when you have that dense of, of amount of sue saint marie alumni on a team it's like and your leaders from sue saint marie it's like are these the best possible options? No. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see, and it's it's kind of interesting to see in some regards. You know, it's the body system, and some I think maybe or or the trust system. You call it. Um, yeah, it's, for me personally, 
I didn't see the game that way. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't either. It didn't work that way through the game, but it's, it's in some situations, it does seem like the core of people that just kind of go around every situation together and bring each other with, you know, when one, they bring the rest in. So, so it's, it's an interesting, uh, I think an interesting angle of what you're saying and it has some merit and you're right. You know, is it's, is it something you're comfortable with and you, or are you exploring all options? Cause at that, in that organization, you have every resource to do your due diligence, due diligence and do your homework. You have scouts all over the place. They have the, I think they have the biggest budget as far as that with scouts and people that work for the organization. Um, you know, are you digging? It's, that's a great, it's a great question. It's a fair question because the thing is, it's not like they're at the top of the mountain and everyone's like, well, you should do this and you should do this. They're not, they're not getting there. They're not even getting on the first steps. So there is room, there is room for argument. And this is again, a problem when we talked about in the beginning of the show as an American guy, or, you know, you're in this, you're in this pressure cooker all the time because there's people in around the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's constantly everybody that's got the solution. Everybody knows exactly what the problem is, you know, and it's, you're hearing it all the time. There's no relief from it. So it's, it's tricky, man. And it's sometimes you want to break from that again, that pressure cooker. Okay. I hope, I hope, again for being a local guy somewhat local that that they do succeed it just at some point it almost poses the question to be like okay when is it time we haven't won a series yet like i don't get me wrong they were so close with Tron or with tampa and, and i think that was maybe the outside of colorado that was the hardest that a, a team pushed tampa but you still just can't do it and it's hard to it's hard to rest everything on just a couple like a seven game series but at the end of the day you've had it the team for an organization for a number of years you have huge pieces that are in i must win now mode or else marner becomes sort of a little too old and matthews becomes a little too old you know what i mean like and, and your your bang for buck for production for your players aren't aren't there anymore so i i just it'll be interesting to see how the, the season turns out but it's just one of those things where it's like how many more guys from the suit? Like how many more people from the suit can you fit in the dressing room? I don't know. You know? Yeah. And then, and then if, uh, the other thing I did like um, was yep. the moves that Ottawa has made, right? They signed Claude Giroux, uh, a player who's essentially from Ottawa area, lives there in the summer. Uh, they scooped up uh, the Brinkett in, in Chicago. Like I like their, I like their nucleus that they're, that they got there. Like, I, I think they're going to surprise some, some teams. Like, I don't say surprise. Like it's, they've made a big splash with, with the players that they've scooped up. But I, I just, I just like, I like the Drew signing. I think he's a, another player that has that element. I mean, I played with him. I know his personality. I know his compete level is uh, how he is as a, as an individual. So he he's a player that I think, brings it come playoff time like he's fun to be around he competes like hell he can play center he can play wing he can play in front of the net he could be the bumper he'd be your half full guy like in kill penalties he's he's a big element to uh to a team success so i i like that signing from an auto and he's going to be at home uh probably obviously living at at home with his young family so i i think it'll be uh i think it'll be a a good year for him that's my that's my yeah. fantasy player. I'm going to try to scoop up and look around. He's yeah. available. Tipping your hat to that, giving your, giving your feedback on there, giving your tipping your cap to that pick. But I think I agree with that a lot. I think it, I think it'd be, I think there's so much energy. He'll have so much 
you know, good energy going into the season, again, being home ish, uh, you know, and there's new pieces there. There's the brink. It's a hell of a goal score, very proven goal score. Um, you know, so I think that's going to be, he's, he's a hell of a disher, you know, him better than I do. I just know watching him and, and kind of growing up in the same era a little bit. Um, but he, yeah, he's an awesome pickup and they need some great plays there in Ottawa. I think it's, it's good because that's, uh, you know, he's not at that prime superstar level that he was at one point, but he still has a lot of game in him and to bring it being a young buck, a little bit younger guy, again, proved done a hell of a job at this young age so far of scoring goals in the NHL. I think those two will be awesome. And then you got Brady Kachuk, um, you know, Kachuk brother there, gamer. Their, their pieces are starting to fall there into place. And then they're going to be fun to watch. Because, yeah, let's be honest, like they've, they haven't been fun to watch for a while. And it's the truth. I'm just telling you from someone that likes watching hockey, their game's on, I'm not watching it. And now it's now you're getting a different, you know what I mean? You add an electric goal scorer, an electric stick handler, shootout guy. You got Kachuk coming into his prime, into his, you know, into his own. Shabbat, you know, there's there's some great pieces there um, that I think are, are, are going to make that team uh, fun to watch and a competitor, not just fun to watch. I think they're going to win some games and, and start making a dent as a Canadian market. Um, I think it was a couple of years ago. I think they had, they made the playoffs and they did, they weren't even selling the building out. Mm. So it's kind of some rough times in Ottawa, I think, which is weird because most Canadian barns are always sold out no matter what. Um, but now I think now they're going to get a good product and the GM's done a great job. I think as of, you know, so far he's put some good pieces in there. We'll see how they play out. But they look and, nice on and, paper. And speaking of GMs, I, I also like what Stevie Y did in Detroit. I know that's it's only about a two-hour drive for for me. Uh, I told my father-in-law's in Windsor, you know, in, uh, in Ken, but I was like, you got to scoop up some season tickets to Detroit. Yeah. I'm like, this team's gonna be good. Like, you got you know a stud D man that could be the equivalent of you know Head, Headman or Lidstrom, and uh, they they went out and signed Andrew Cop, who I think is a, a integral part to it a team you know 200 foot player just uh plays the game you know quote unquote the right way uh ben Chirot, steady uh solid d-man you know probably just will be simple uh competes hard and finishes the body uh dave david perron who's sort of like a little bit modern day alex kovalev right like he's got that sort of nifty little swagger yeah that smooth weird yeah, like a off balance can still control the puck, like dish it. Um, I, I just like I just like the moves that that they made, and I think their their team is is a good young team. I, I mean, if they were to make the playoffs, I think that would surprise a lot of people. But uh, I, I just like the way that they're that they're trending in in Detroit, and and obviously, if you have a, a D man that's going to play probably close to thirty minutes a, a game, he's going to be on the ice for half the the game, and you know, be the the sheriff out there. I think. I think Detroit has a lot of things to look forward to in the, in the coming years, for sure. I agree. I, I liked a lot of their pieces. What a, what an off season for Steve UI that was, uh, they needed that injection of life. They've been down the dumps for five, six years now, like bad, bad. You know, I think those new pieces side are coming up. He's fun to watch. I did a bunch of clips on him throughout the course of the year. There's every single night. If you're a D man, that's a guy I'm watching your right hand and D guy. I don't, I think it does matter which hand you are because, you know, the way he plays his position is specific to which hand he is, your movements and everything. It matters which hand you are, but you can learn from him if you, even if you are a left-handed guy. But I think right-handed shot D, watching the way that he angles, the way he positions himself, the way he uses his stick, um, 
I, again, I put out a couple of clips on him throughout the course of the year and, and Brad Davis guy from Edmonton used to be an Edmonton scout crash. Davis pointed out some great tips about, you know, just his simplicity and which hand he was as a defenseman and why that play was so effective. Um, again, studying this player for you young kids out there, uh, pay attention to him because he's very calculated. And I like the way that the way that he plays is so poised and he's in such control, so confident. He never looks like, disheveled or panicked you know what I mean he's very calculated and it's it's fun to watch him so to have these new pieces coming in that cop kid I, I like him a lot too University of Michigan kid uh he's fun to watch he was great with with Winnipeg undercover I felt like he was very undercover in Winnipeg you got you know Wheeler and Ellers and um you know Shifley uh, so many other guys there that kind of he really was under the radar but in New York, he looked really good, and I think he's going to fit really well being back again, kind of where he's coming from in Michigan. Uh, there's something about that. I, I never – I got to put the New York Islanders jersey on, which was really cool. But I think even deeper, like the Michigan boys putting on the Detroit Red Wings sweater is, is you know, it's huge. So that's right around when their birth years were. <laughs> so they were winning cups back then, and the city was buzzing. Joe Lewis – you know, the octopus coming on the ice before the game, all that good stuff. But I think it would be fun to watch. And I think Detroit's going to be a team again, the last couple of years, their game on, I'm turning it off. <laughs> it's, it's just not, it wasn't entertaining. You know, I don't want to watch them lose. You're used to watching, you know, Lindstrom buzz that blue line. You're used to watching Zetterberg and Datsuk dangle. You're used to seeing all this, you know, and take it back further. Stevie Y coming over, you know, just outside the blue line, ripping Clapper's bar down on, uh, St. Louis, these kind of memories, those are what I attach to Detroit. And again, the last five or six years, it's been kind of a dip. So it's, it's good to see him climbing back up. This is all on paper, so it's not proven yet, but it does look pretty good going into the season, what they've done and, and what to look forward to. So, I mean, it's just so much shifting parts. It seems like this year, I don't know, for me personally, it seems more than, than usual. And I guess it's like the pieces like Goudreau and Kachuk moving and these different things happening. It makes it seem like there's so much movement. I mean, every year there's movement, but this year it seems, I don't know. It's pretty interesting to see the pieces that are, are going and again, like, then a Debrinket, like a 40 goal score gets, you know, shipped out and, uh, you know, Darby Kosh gets moved. Like these kind of things that are moving around. It's, it's not normal. So really, I, I hadn't congratulated you on your first overall pick. you you did say that Slovak was going to go first overall. So I, I will, I will give you that. Um, shifting gears a little bit, who, who's in, who's going to be your number one selector next year? Like who's tanking? Is it, is it Chicago? Are they like, is Kane going to get offloaded and that's going to be a, a really tough year to be a fan or you look at Philly is going to be a, a team that maybe doesn't win very many games, you know, like what's, is, is Boston trying to do something similar? Like who, who's your bet for Tankville to, yeah, I mean, you, this is going to sound bad, you, but you can always throw Arizona in that mix a little bit too, right? Like they're, yeah. they're not really on the up and up for attempting to make the playoffs. So who, who's getting Connor Bedard next year? I know. I, I mean, make a good point. Chi town is looking like a candidate for it. I don't know. You know, that's, that's tough in that town because those guys, they've, done so much to build that you know the Taves the Canes the Seabrooks the Keith they're all on their way out man imagine being a fan there watching an era come to the end um Kane is really the only one out there Kane and Taves mm -hmm. two guys two pieces are left um 
that's going to be tough. You know, they rebuilt that city. I mean, back in the early 2000s, they didn't even have the games on local channels. They were blacked out and they had nobody in the stand. And, um, you know, it was a tough time. And now they've turned that place into, you know, with the help of a lot of other guys, it wasn't just Kane and tapes. They had some great drafts, you know, they got Seabrook, they got, and even in our draft year, they got Bulls, Bickle, um, Andrew, uh, well, Andrew Ladd was, uh, Nine. he was Nine a Carolina years. pick. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, he, yeah, ladder, no, ladder was, was he 85? No, he's 86, but I think he was a late, yeah. I think he was a late. Yeah, the ladder, but then I remember the, my rookie year in the minors in Wilkes-Barre, that, that was, uh, you know, after the lockout year, then we were all there, the, all those draft picks were there getting their, you know, kind of seasoned and getting their experience at pro. So they really developed that starting in 2004 and then Kane and Taves came and, and made it what it was. Um, other pieces there obviously hosted, but you know what I'm saying? Like they really, now it's going to take a dip. It's going to be down for a bit. And I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If, if, I'm I a, don't know. if I'm a contender or hope to be, I think I'm going to try to find throughout the year a way to make some room to be able to get Patrick Kane at the deadline. Like, if he hangs yeah. on for that long, I think that's a big, big player at the deadline. Like, yeah, one of the biggest that's been available in a long he's time. He's a gamer, man. That's a gamer, dude. That's an absolute game. Like, that's a he's a sh- and, and the, the thing I love about Kaner is that he's everything, man. He's a showman. He's a gamer. He's competitive. He's super skilled. Uh, he makes everybody better. Uh, he's he's all encompassing as a superstar and. Like you said, I think it's something like that at a deadline. Like that's a huge piece. And I, I think like, it's not one of those unique talents where it's like, man, maybe he'll fit. I, I personally see him fitting anywhere. Cause he plays the game. He sees the ice so well. And he plays the game at such a level. Like, again, he makes anybody gets on the line look better. There might be a little bit of adjustment period of like, as far as, you know, maybe four or five games of like, Hey, where do you like to go? Where do you like your passes? Where's your wheelhouse? You know, that's, that stuff gets wrinkled out pretty fast but again that, that would be huge yeah, i feel like up. he's a pretty pretty independent player where it seems like no matter who he gets on his line panarin the brinket like the shaw they're getting goals and points the thing is right? like, like he's if you can't read off caner then you can't read yeah really yeah he's no but, but he does do some unique things like i think i think you have to go in knowing that like i just need to be open anytime he has the puck because like it's almost it's like amber can you can the same as his forehand and he can be 
showing like it looks like he's not in a passing position and then whoop right in my wheelhouse right i think that's that's the the adjustment yeah. i think someone just needs to make well, but should, when they're with him it's like just be open to, like, not backtrack but like i say like and then if you can't read off Kaner, then you're like a simpler player and you need that like structure in your game and probably don't belong on that line it's not to say like you can't play hockey but again like if you want to be a top six guy in the nhl and if you can't read off of this guy then you then you're not on the top six yeah. that's the truth because being on a top six and you're on a line with somebody and all you have to do is find open space that means that this guy's got all this going on over here and all you got to be like oh there's a hole and you get to the <laughs> hole and all of a sudden it's right in your wheelhouse thank you thank you patrick kane what's your address for christmas i'm sending you every gift that you ever wanted thank you i love playing on your line but that's what I mean, you know, because that's the thing. If you're not looking for those open holes, that means you're just horse blinder and driving the net, you know, and you can't play with him. But yeah, he's special. And I, you're right. He does both sides of the stick, backhand, forehand. His backhand sauce is just as good as forehand sauce. His spinorama, you know, Denny Savard really brought that into Chicago. It's funny to see him, you know, now years down the road play for Denny and also kind of have that move as one of his staples and, and sort of, you know, who. I think uh, when you think of that move, you really think of Kaner. At least and, I do. And and for me, like I don't think he poses like a rocket of a shot. But I know I know we're gonna get into some shooting. You were obviously one of the best at it, but it it just seems like it, he's shooting it like effortlessly, and it goes in. I'm like, that's not even a bomb. Like, how do you not? How how did that go in? Like, why doesn't why didn't those go in for me? Yeah. Right? But yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll get into that, but I, I just wanted to touch on um, uh, my, my, my summer skates are, are now going on our, our, uh, our pros, like we would run every year. We just got ice. So we have a pretty good uh, team. And, and actually I reached out to uh, a couple of guys that I know uh, you aligned with a little bit uh, at BioSteel and, and talk about like, I'm, this is not an ad by any means, but talk about like a company that is, is sort of getting it, you know, like, you know, when we were growing up, it was the Gatorade bottles everywhere. You know, guys were, you'd die to have a Gatorade bottle. And, and I, if you can have a Gatorade towel, it's like, oh my God, that's like, it's not just a regular white towel. That's got like the Gatorade mark on it, right? So um, I reached out to uh, to a guy, Tucker, right? Who actually was in London when we played. He was going to Western and he worked for them. And uh, he, he supplied a lot of things for my players, like uh, ready to drink stuff, uh, bottles, towels, like, just the brand recognition that they, that they're obviously they just signed a big deal with, with the NHL. So they're, they're doing great things, but uh, you know, kudos to that, to them for, you know, hooking up a lot of the elite players in, in my area. We, I run a, a league uh, for players 15 to 19 and going into their draft year and then players who are obviously drafted and, and playing in the OHL. So I, I run a league that he's uh, provided some stuff for the players to, to utilize. It's just like a, you know, another perk to sort of show that we appreciate your, um, your eliteness and, uh, and effort level. And then obviously with the NHL guys at our skate, it's a, it's a pretty predominant. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I, a small little shout out to them for sort of doing, you know, the, the right thing where it's like, you know what, let's get this product into the player's hands and, uh, let them enjoy it and, and understand. And, and I, Bet you it'll turn into you know when we were seven eight nine ten years old and it was like oh my god that's the gatorade the green gatorade bottle with the orange top like it's going to be the well that's the red biosteel bottle with the with the white top but uh, a canadian brand so i don't know how uh how big it is yet in in uh in the u.s but um made out of made out of canada and uh, i just i just 
commend them for for doing the right thing and and i know they helped you with with uh your skates and yeah and you can bled like you're in yeah, yeah and you're really in, big and you're in new york now helping kids i saw you on the ice uh honing your own craft but also <laughs> showing everyone else how you did it and uh i guess like how, how did you, uh, you you said you were on the ice all the time whether it be actually on the ice or bumming some ice where the Zamboni dropped some water in, in cold ass Fulton, New York, and <laughs> you were just using it to shoot. But like, uh, how, how are you teaching a young guy? Right. That, that, yeah. that's coming down. Like, is it deception? Is it you, you do, do you want to sh show that you're shooting low and you can shoot high or you want to be able to have a variety of shots coming from almost like a, like a thinking of a pitcher throwing a ball if his release point is always the same and then it's like, Oh, low and left. Oh, high and right. Oh, down the pipe. Like, is that what you're like? How are you explaining to a young shooter how to, how to get better and how to score goals like Rob Shrimp and Pat Kane? So I'll break it down, right? Deconstruction of it and come to the core values of it or the, the you know, the details and it's, you know, you got to have all the pieces of it. So it's, you know, the shooting is weight transfer shooting is in my opinion stick angle shooting is cupping the puck hiding the release and it's hand speed and then we you know weight transfer is one of the biggest things that's kind of gone out of shooting in today's era because the technology is so good so guys can fling the puck so you get these young 14 15 year old kids they shoot it really hard but they're slinging it on all technology it's not technique at all so they don't have control of it you give them a pile of 10 pucks they'll go bar down two or three times and like oh it's awesome but then the other seven are like a mile high and they're just missile so for me i break it down like that i, I just get to every step of it and i got a bunch of drills that i put together and i was just out in chicago last week with the kid joey de rosa uh and also did a thing with the windy city storm so with with joey i broke it down because i worked with him last year with video and i try to give him stuff over zoom so it was really good that i got a chance to get there in person with him that's i said i want to show you exactly what i mean by this stuff so we do some shooting drills and there's one drill that I like to do a lot. It's the one-legged shot. And what you do is you come into a small glide, you get on. So as a lefty, you get on your left leg and then you over-exaggerate your hands. Like I try to kiss the ice with my hands. Like that's how far. And why I do that is because it brings my weight over that left leg, over the toe. So now I'm steadily, this like rock solid on that left leg, balancing on it. My hands are nice and low. And then what else? what I do with this drill to give you all the goods of it. So what I say, I want this slow because what happens when you do drills with kids, eventually they're like, they want to go faster and faster. I'm like, Nope, it's not the drill. You take one or two small little strides. You glide on that left leg as a lefty, you hold the puck. And while you're gliding, I like to say like, hold it for two or three seconds. So what happens is when you hold it for those two or three seconds with your head up, you're building this picture memory of what the net looks like and what the goalie looks like as you come down that path. And then once you get to the point of, of, of release, your hands are super low. Like, again, I, I put a video out, we'll put it up and you'll see how low I am. And then you release this shot from having your stick at a very uh, lateral angle, not up and down, not straight up and down. It's at a lateral angle, very low. And you can, you have weight transfer behind it. You have balance on that one blade and then you have pull and release on the shot. So quickness of that release with weight behind it, not shooting with technology, you're shooting with technique and you know even the video that i put up that's not my stick that's a stick that bauer actually very nicely sent over for the blood camp 
It's not my curve. I use a square toe and a big hook on it. This thing's rounded toe. It's a P28. I use a Lindstrom. So it doesn't matter what stick that I put in my hands, I can shoot. I'll never be strapped by technology. I can grab anybody's stick because I have technique. And that's why I try to teach kids and try to teach players in general. So these details, I really break it down. Then I have a bunch of, again, a bunch of drills where we, we stand still with piles of pucks. We work on the pop, just the snap of your wrist, like what that means, what that quick snap means. And then we do it with pulling the puck, moving and changing the angle of the release. So again, it just goes step by step and you start piecing the shot together. And then eventually now we start doing it in stride. And then just what I find through my experiment, uh, through my experience is as soon as we start adding stride to it, it, de it goes right back. Hands come high, there's no weight transfer and they're slinging pucks. And then I got to calc, you know, hey, put your hands here. As soon as you take your strides, drop your hands, boom, boom, boom. So sorry to give you a long story long on that. That's just my philosophy. And I see, you know, quite a bit of it out there. And there's lots of stuff on the internet now, Instagram, and seeing a lot of this stuff of like hands high. And I'm not trying to knock anybody or poison pill anybody. I just don't believe in it. Like I believe in getting your hands nice and low. And the drills that I do with the kids, I tell them, I'm like, listen, I played. Like, I'm not saying in the game you're going to do it like this, but we're training your shot right now. So we're going to do drills and we're going to over-exaggerate the details so that we have these good habits and we have these thought processes in our shot. So then when it happens in a game, you're not going to get down to the ice with your hands, but you're going to think, get my hands low. By getting your hands low, that means going from your belly button to, to below your hip line. Uh, well, that's perfect. Now your shaft angle changes. Now your trajectories are under control. And you have, that's the main thing is being a sniper. You want to have control of your trajectories and your release. So not like that and that's so, really my philosophy on shooting and so when you're working with it when you're working with a group of kids like th this is just a smaller amount right when you're talking to shooting you're, you're going almost with like a golf golf swing approach where it's like the fine mechanics and and it very exaggerate stuff that you're that probably won't look the same when you're in a game but to do it so arrogantly awkward that it just gets becomes part of their game where you're getting weight over the the front of your toe and and your top hand is lower you're probably the top of your hand is pointing to the to the ice like you're you're trying to you you're trying to break down their their shot right how, how long when you're with a player like uh the young guy you said what what, what age group would he be in joey's u16 he plays for chicago okay. mission triple a so, they just won so, the national championship last year too so i had him and a few of his buddies out there together with his brother was out there and two other shooters. So it was okay. So how long do you think it takes them to actually grasp it? Like if you're doing a if you're doing a drill, you're just that that simple take a step, glide, get over the puck, shoot. How many how many pucks are they going to shoot until they find? They're like you know what? Um, it's I'm different. It it's different for everybody. Um, Joey, it took. I have to correct a couple of times, you know, and the thing is, is that that's the thing. Everybody has that comfort zone. It depends on when I get, when I get to them, because I did a shooting session in, in, uh, in Latvia with a, with a seven-year-old kid, Paul's. And, and he got really frustrated during the session, which you know, I loved it because he's competitive and he wanted to be good at it. He wanted, you know, and, and it didn't change in an hour. Right. But then a week later, the dad Davis sends me a video and he's like, look at this. And the kid was ripping it bar down. He's like, I did what Rob said. So it took him a week for him to just keep it. Okay. Like, you know, process it, keep doing the details and keep going. That's a seven-year-old kid. 
um, Joey DeRosa was different. Like again, a couple, he did a couple reps and I put out one of the, I posted his on my Instagram. I showed him doing it. He did it. Like you can hear me correct him. And I said, hands lower. And as soon as he, he did it, boom, he comes, he goes bar down. And as soon as I get that moment of it working, then they trust it. Then the other side of it is the other players that take a little bit longer. They're not trusting it off the start. So they're doing it with like their hands a lot higher than I would want them to. And they're not doing it with their weight over their toe. They're not changing the release point, the little details in the drill. And then they kind of suspect about it. And that's why I find, you know, by being standing right next to them, like, just I'll go, just watch me. Cause that's how I learned too, from Donnie Kern Jr. I watched him and he would be like, no, nope, like this. And then he would jump in and he'd do four or five reps. And I'd be like, okay. And then I'd study how he did it. And then I try to emulate it. And then eventually I, you know, that's the thing for me. Luckily at 10, I emulated Donnie Kernan Jr. <laughs> and I scored 150 plus goals when I was 11 years old. But so that's for and me, the that's trophies, the power. The trophies are behind you. <laughs> yeah, 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 I got like <laughs> all three. Wondering. <laughs> but but uh, so. do, do any of the kids, do any of the kids challenge you to uh, like post, post crossbar? No, that's actually, uh, I'm in the process of, of creating that game right now. I got, uh, I'm calling out Sammy Gagne for next week to play a game of post and I'm going to start playing post with, with, uh, some pro guys and do a little event and just have it be fun and, and challenge some guys and have some fun with it and play some post. And, uh, but the kids, no, they don't, they're more like, I don't want to, it may be a little bit intimidated, you know, but do that's, you think, do you think any of the pros are going to be intimidated from you? Like, what I don't if, know. What if you wax them and it's like, Oh man, well, this guy yeah. gets paid X amount of dollars and to do this and yeah. Maybe I'll get maybe I'll be hired as a shooting specialist. You never know. But um, yeah, that's the thing. It's this stuff is not just for kids. You know, it's I'll be honest with you. Back in at the end of my career, I forgot I I stopped doing this. I, I did guiltily. I'm very guilty of that. Like, and that's why you're like that old guy after like preaching, like, don't forget these things, like keep working on it. You know, you always you have those guys that are retired, keep preaching this stuff. And I'll be on again, to be honest, like my last three, four years, I wasn't doing these things. So I could have used a refresher. And guys in the show can use a refresher, even if they're making $10 million a year. It's not to say that you, you know, you suck or you're no good. It's just like, sometimes you already knew it and you had success with it. And then it, it gets like somehow put, you know, in the back of your mind, you forget about it. There's other things, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's good to have a refresher, um, these small things. And again, when I do my shooting stuff, it's slow. And I've, I get kind of into it with parents. Sometimes they're like, they want the practices to be super like a training session all the time. When you're talking about shooting again, if you can't do it standing still with a pile of pucks, then why the hell would you be able to do it hundred miles an hour? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like even after we do it standing still for 25 minutes, I'm like, okay, let me add a little bit of skating in here. It goes right away back to like bad habits. And that's what I try to hammer home. If you want to be an elite goal scorer, I'm not saying that this is the only way to score because there's other ways to score. You know, you go to the net and tip them or whatever, like grunt it out. But if you want to be an elite sniper, these are the details. And this is and I'm, one of my things that I find to have the basic, uh, successes, I be, the biggest success with players is, is including the goal in the conversation. When I tell a player something and you can see that little bit of like, man, this guy, whatever. And I bring the goalie over and I go, Hey buddy, what do you think about when he, when he releases the puck versus when I release the puck and the goalie's like, well, I don't know where the hell you're shooting it. I know exactly where he's shooting it. And then the player's like, you know, kind of offended a little bit, but also love, like, that's what I'm telling you. Like this other detail, copying the puck, hiding your release, like you're missing it. So that helps the player trust and buy into what I'm saying. Cause it's not just me now. Now it's the person that he's going against being like, yeah, man, you're never going to score me. We, I had, we, we had something similar like that with us, right. As a Ford and a D man, like you would do things. I'd say, well, no, that's, that's 
doesn't work because I do this. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm going to do it this way. And I'm like, yeah, that would probably work. Like yeah. that, that conversation I think is needed. There's no like dictatorship to, to success. Right. So I, I do really like that. I think, I know I've got a lot of messages from people saying we should well, we're in it for development. And I think there's a lot of misinformation out there online that uh, either a, a parent that has not been in the hockey world or a player who's up and coming and doesn't, you don't really know who to trust. So I have been told we should do some sessions on, on be, be, what to look out for um, when you're going to obviously pay money, your hard earned money to try to develop your, your child and make sure that it's going to the proper way. Cause I, I just see so much of it online that, and again, I'm not trying to wreck people's businesses or careers, but like you're, you're in, you're in this to, to develop and make kids better. But some of the stuff I see, it's like, that's, that's not in it. And we don't need to get into it. I think that we could do a, a segment on it, which we probably just to will and touch a little bit on it. Danny, I had a, a buddy of mine, Rainus millions back in Latvia. He sent me something yesterday on Instagram and it was Aaron Ekblad working in Florida. He goes, man, it seems like the, when, whenever there's something about a pro on Instagram, he's like, it seems like everything's so much simpler. I'm like, yeah, it's like small movements. And it's like, you know, direct movements of like, you know, Ekblad was like catching him on his backhand, shimmying like, a, you know, Ekblad does like mm -hmm. at the blue line. It was a small, very small movement. And that's, it was a great point. And it was, it was a, I don't say a funny, it was a great observation from someone. He's not a hockey person. Yeah. He played at seven years old stopped playing and played tennis his whole life. And last year he was like, we we're buddies. We play golf together. He's like, I'm going to play hockey this year. And he picked it back up and he plays like five times a week, loves it to death, but he's not a hockey person per se. And like, that was his observation I was like, cause he watches a lot of this stuff. And I try to give him, you know, I try to lead him the right way and be like, yeah, that's, that's good. That's shit. You know? Yeah. That drill's good. And he sent me that thing with Ekblad and he's like, that was his, again, his observation was, it just seems like whenever the pros are on here, this Instagram stuff, they're doing much simpler yeah. things than, like I, I've seen, I, we don't need to get into it because we could probably, we should probably do a session on it in, in, uh, I mean, in the off season here when we are developing players, but I've seen some things that look like, remember like the old school, like a lot, um, American gladiators. Yeah. There's like obstacles everywhere and they're like jumping and spinning around. I'm like in hockey, there's it, every object is variable. There's nothing static about the game where you're doing that. That's going to emulate some sort of play and like sure as a parent that is unknowing like the ones that maybe would say to you I want them to be doing more out there well like doing more is not doing better right like it's it, it like when you have all these yard sale obstacles all over the ice and it's like let's do go around this and that and that like do it against a coach and come in and I'll defend you you got to go through my triangle or through my feet or make me bite on something don't just skate up to something stop stick handle around I'm, I'm gonna go on a tangent here which I don't want to because i know we have to get back to our unrestricted free agency talk but i just it just bothers me seeing some things online and and you you, you just want kids to get really good and proper advice and in and sometimes it's just like holy cow it's just you're just working to work like there's there's nothing yeah. that's going to translate for me in the in the business in the i call it a business but in the in the space of development I'm not a businessman. I'm, I'm more of like, a, I'll give you whatever I can. If I only got you an hour, I'll give you every piece of information I can in an hour. And I, hopefully I give you one or two things that changes for you. Or when you insert it into the game, it helps. With shooting, again, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it in one, like with, with the kid, the seven-year-old kid in Latvia. Mm -hmm. you know, that's one thing that I don't like is when, when that, that lane of, of professions 
strings players along. I don't know if they know the knowledge to be able to give it to them or they string it along. So it's, it's, you know, longer that the parent is paying. I'll do it in one session. Hopefully I can change your game. If I got to do two, I'll do two. I have no problem doing two. It's more like, I, I want to do this for you in one, just give you what I got. And if you need help, come back. But that part of it, cause that's, you know, I, think I, I didn't grow up with money and my dad couldn't, if we had to do that, Donnie Kern Jr. was unbelievable. Like it was, I think it was 10 bucks a session per kid for my, me and my brother to go out with Donnie for an hour and a half and learn how to shoot. I think that's the element of, of caring and trying to do the, give as much knowledge. Like if, if, you know, 37 year old Rob Trump and Danny Severette could rewind and teach 10 year old Rob Trump and Danny Severette, that's what my, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what yeah. you're trying to do. Right. And then the same goes for the players that I work with. Like I'll watch all, I can't watch all their games, but I'll, after every night, I, I check the score sheet on their respective teams, wherever they're playing and OHL, NHL and see how they all did. Like that's my little like crew, right? I don't text them or anything, but it's like, Oh yeah. Like you're, you become fans of players that you've helped, you know, in whether it be large or small ways of developing them. I think that says a lot. I just, unlike you, it's not a, it's not a business for me. It's, it's a passion. And, and I just try to pass it along. And, and obviously you're, you're doing good things on, on the internet and traveling all over the world, trying to help as many kids as possible. So I obviously commend you for that. we got to get you back in London to put the, get the band back together, but uh, wrapping it back to uh, unrestricted free agency. um, What was your thought process? Uh, I, I think I think you were more highly coveted than I was. So I think you might've resigned in, in a stage to not get to free agency when you're supposed to. But I, I remember for me, I was always, you know, a, a guy that would get games up top, but majority of the time I'd be in the minors, whether it be um, act, like tutoring the younger players or being a bit more of a calmer sense back there. And I, I just remember there was a, when I was in free agency, there was a, a time I sort of kicked my ass. I won't say which teams it, it were, was, but, uh, and this is something that I've said recently to, to local players here that are at unrestricted free agency looking to sign somewhere and in a similar position that I was, right? Uh, a guy who plays some games up top, but majority in the minors. And, you know, obviously you're, you're playing for a, a living. And I just remember I had a team, I had two teams that were, that were interested, really interested. And it, I narrowed it down to both of them. And, and one was offering uh, a, a little bit more in the minors for money. Like I'm, I'm talking $40,000 more, right. Which in a professional hockey player salary, like it's to some, that's a lot to, to some, it's not that much, but for me, I'm like, Holy cow, that's 40 grand more than this other team. And so I ended up leaning towards more of the the team that was paying more in the minor because in my head I'm like well I'm going to probably be there for majority of the year and then I sort of kicked my ass after I retired because I'm like I never even got remotely close to that team that I signed with whereas the team that I opted not to go with was a team that had like a, a history of being loyal to their guys that they think do well for them and the puck moving smart D man that has like the lead, like it was all things like I should have done that. And maybe you're in the organization and slowly climbing your way up, or maybe they, they reward you with an opportunity because they see what you're doing in the minors is not just, uh, we want to sign you on a two way, even though 
you're not really getting at anything in the NHL, but we want you to do really good for us in the A and have and develop the, our young guys, right? Versus the the team that probably had the similar thought process, but then maybe they're like, and they have, I've watched them in the past do it where they've had a, a HL veteran player where they've promoted and given an opportunity. And then he sort of stays up as a fifth, sixth D man and then signs there. And, and I just remember I, I uh, at the time it was like a no brainer, you know, extra money, boom, that's what we're doing. But I, so I, what I say to the, the kids locally now is like that are in that same thought process, like, look, go to a spot where you think you have the best chance of, of getting an opportunity, whether you're obviously if you're getting offered 300,000 one year, one team, the other no brainer, take the 300. But if it's in a a ballpark area, take a really hard look at at what realistically could happen to you. Right. You just need that opportunity is all it is all it is. Right. So don't, don't go to the team that's just going to offer to pay you a boatload because they really need to win in the minors or they, enjoy success, success in the minors, or go to a spot where you're, you're, you can sort of see, you know what, they have a track record of promoting within, from within, or they would utilize my knowledge and maybe reward me with that. Or I feel like I can sort of, at a lesser salary grade, bump out a player who's making double or triple me in a cap era that could, they can sort of offload and I can sort of replace him. But don't just chase the money. I wonder if you like, what was your situation like when you were either an RFA or uh, unrestricted free agent? Yeah, mine was, I didn't get there really. I got out, I was out at 26. So I signed with, I got picked up off waivers by Islanders. I played a year, played really well. Uh, you don't really ever get bargaining power against Garth Snow. So I didn't, it didn't go my favor in the new, the re-signing. So I signed back one year and then, uh, and then next year I got moved to Atlanta and then that's, that was kind of the end for me. I, I got, when Atlanta went to Winnipeg, uh, Kevin shovel day off wanted me to play on a two way at that point in my career, I wasn't going back to the minors and that's kind of had the writing all over the wall of that. So I, that's why I jumped ship to, to Europe and I went over to Moto and tried to, you know, prove my worth there and, and then try to make my way back. So I never got to that level of, of that. Yeah. I never got the UFs. Yeah. So, so unrestricted free agency, I never so, got a UFA. So for you, they, so you left in your restricted free agency or, or was it like you were just going to get offered a two way and you're like, I'm going to Europe now. Yeah, that's it. I was an RFA technically. And then that was the first offer. Um, my agent told me there wasn't, there wasn't anything else to, to consider at the time time was ticking. Um, so had some offers in Sweden and in the KHL. And I always kick myself in the ass for this. <laughs> I guess it technically was a UFA. And I just thought I was so nervous to go to Russia. I was scared. And I mean, the, and not to talk exact dollars, but it was uh, four times the money. And I, I just said, no, I don't want to go there at the time. I didn't want to live there. Um, and I took the opportunity to go to Moto because it was, uh, you know, it was Alf Samuelson, the coach, Marcus Naslin, Peter Forsberg were the general manager and assistant general manager. The Sedin brothers come from there, that kind of thing. So my, my UFA was different. I mean, I had to go to a different country. So it's a lot different conversation that we're having compared to what the guys are considering that we talked in this podcast about. But for me, it was a little bit different. Yeah, and I had to go to Europe. So I, um, unfortunately, I don't know. You never know what would have turned out. We're going to go back in hindsight's 2020. Maybe if I'd taken that two-way and just – but, man, uh, the last time I played in the minors, like – in springy, I, I was literally ready to be done hockey. I, I was so dead. Like I just had enough, like the three and threes and the subs and the 
uncertainty and and just keep staring up at this thing that just never seemed like it was ever going to be given to me I had enough and like for them to say that off the top I was like f that man I'm like nope I'm like nope 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 I mean it's good it's I mean we're not just an NHL show so it's like it's good that you're providing the the value and the mindset of what went on right like I, I know you jumped before I did uh I, I had a similar situation with a uh, I had a, a big offer in Switzerland but that was when I was like sort of up and down in the NHL and then I I like you got a a, a very large number to go over to Russia but I again I chose sort of lifestyle over that because again it, at the time you didn't know what was going on over there Right. Like they, yeah. it wasn't as proven now. I think well, they shot down I a plane in 2011. There's a plane, like a passenger plane getting shot down, kind of things like that. You know, maybe that's a little bit dramatic, but that was hap- like it was kind of very turmoil ish over there, and especially being American. Yeah, I think uh, to add into that, it was weird times. So I think now, I think now it's ho- hockey worldwide has evolved from when we were trying to make decisions, right? Like there was some spots you could, like, I think now you can almost go over with a lot of confidence knowing that you're going to get paid and you're going to be yeah. safe. And, you know what I mean? Like, so I, I think the, the, the question, I know we only have a couple of minutes now, but uh, the, the question would be at what point, like young Rob shrimp, at what point do you decide? And the, the NHL is getting younger. There's what 600, 600 some odd players that are under contract in the NHL. And a lot of them, there's not much turnover. So you got to be, one of the you know 35 45 rookies that can make your mark in the nhl what at what point do you think now do you make that decision to go you know what Uh, like you said the minors is is it's difficult to to get out and um you can be better compensated over europe hands down at what point do you make that decision now be like you know what Or, or do you make it earlier and go you know what if if I'm good enough. They're going to find me. Yeah. You just, you, just... you can still play and make it back from, I mean, I didn't, I played well and didn't get back. It was just, that was not in the cards for me. I came back and played good in the minors too. I tore it up and did well my first half of the season back in the minors and realized like whatever, but um, I think it's, it's tough. It's very tough for guys to lose, uh, to let go of the chase of that very, I'm so close. I'm so close. You feel like you are, but you're not, you know, and you can see it afterwards. I jumped early, you know, I don't know what would have happened. I can't say you can never go back and change things, but um, I can say that seeing some guys hang on a little bit longer, it's just, I try to be like, man, it's good over here. There's good, really good hockey. Like it's great hockey. Cause coming over, I had no idea. Like I really didn't know what Europe was like. Like I thought Moto, I thought Ernest Kuzvik was like Stockholm. <laughs> it was it was a small town, man. There's a rink, a paper mill, and two streets, you know. Um, that's all I knew. But I think um again, like you said, it's evolved a lot. Like the hockey's really good over there, the lifestyle's good, you, the, you know, the living is good as far as business-wise. You talk about making money, you make good money, you're less on your body. Um, you know, it's it's tough because there is that everybody chases the dream. You know, and the show is so amazing, but the reality of it, uh, the reality of it is that not everybody gets the red carpet up there either. You know, it's, I don't know if hanging on so you can get five games a year or 10 games a year is worth it, to be honest with you, because then the rest of the year you spend like anxiously waiting for that again, or, you know, you're just kind of constantly chasing something. And sometimes it's just never going to happen. Yeah. 
it could be wasted time. Uh, it's tough to say, and there's not a, there's not an absolute blueprint. Um, cause the other thing is, is that probably the worst case scenario would be for you to go over there and then you're still looking back and being, if you're not ready, you're still, now you're homesick. Now you're over the ocean. Now you're so far away mentally, you gotta be prepared. And I don't know how to present it, but if I could help players realize, you know, that it's, it's a good life as well. I know you're not in the show. And when you come back to the summer skates, you're not going to have, uh, an R8 and, uh, you know, $57,000 watch on your wrist, but that's not what life is um all about there's other things to life and i think sometimes it's tough mentally to, again to be chasing something like that that this carrot's never you know it's mm -hmm. never going to stop the rabbit's never going to stop running so be careful chasing that and, and and take a good look like you talked about in free agency even with the money talk and 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 checking out the situations like have a have a little bit more uh broader view of things and check out other opportunities again if it's across the pond like take a look into it i, I didn't i just jumped <laughs> i literally face planted belly flopped off the top diving board and just went to moto um it worked out but you know i probably could have done more homework again i thought moto was stockholm it wasn't <laughs> it was dark by one o'clock every day to live in the north bumfuck nowhere but it, you know it was good i enjoyed the hockey experience elfie was really good to me had some great teammates there nikki danielson nicklin sundstrom Potter Scrode or some great people. So it was a great experience and Europe was, is a good fit too. You play 50 games, less travel, you're home a lot more. You're not treated so much like a piece of meat. You're still an import and you have to perform, but you know, over here, if you got 103 degree temperature, you, you're, you can't not play until it's 104 over there. If you got a little sickness, it's like, take care of your body, take care of your human. And then you know, we'll get you back on the ice when you're ready. So it's, there's different variables to each side. So yeah. hopefully no, I didn't go too far I, on the ramp there. I really, like, I was only there for uh, like a year and a half, two years. And obviously one of the years was, was with you for part of it. And uh, I had like, I loved it over there. It was a great lifestyle and everything. And what, what made me, and I was so against it. Like when I was in North America, you know, I'm like, no, no, I'm same thing. Chasing that. I'm close. I'm, you know, I'm a D man. I'm leading an AHL team and, points like hello and someone's gonna nope you know then the next year i live in a hotel for the entire year like looking back i'm like what what's i doing like i lived in a i don't even know what hotel i don't want to do it but i have to do it but i, I was pulling at you man i kept saying like i know let's go get over here i'll get you i wanted you on my team so no i know, I know you, I but you, pulling you on gotta your do it on your own you have to again like yeah. i i think like you brought it up earlier like i think i was i would have been a guy that would have gone over, had fun and done well. And who knows what would happen. You can never turn it back. But I feel like I would have been that guy that's like, my time wasn't done in North America. Like I, what did I, what did I waste? Like an opportunity, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I sort of probably overstayed my welcome. I was, like I said, I was a point producing veteran defenseman looked upon for leadership and I'm living in a hotel. Like they, I, I'm like, what is going on? You know, this isn't what I signed up for. This is yeah. what I want. Right. That's what made me be like, okay, it's time to do something different now. Like I'm, I'd like to have my own bed and TV yeah. that I <laughs> yeah. can call home. Right. But no, I, it was, it was just interesting to hear. And I, and I do appreciate you obviously pulling at me and trying to get over there. And, and at the end of our career, I grabbed you to come play with me anyway. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. we ended up connecting over there, which was, which was fun. But, um, Shrimpy, obviously I thought, uh, you know, your insight and your development and your skills that you're passing on to everyone, like, I don't need to tell you uh, over and over again, but I think you're doing an awesome job. And I think there's a lot of value. And I know from listening to 
uh, other players that, you know, sort of I coach or have are in this London area and they, they always uh, speak highly of you and, and watch everything you're doing. So uh, just know that when you are posting things, there's a lot of kids that maybe aren't in direct contact with you, but uh, are, are watching and trying to implement that into their game. But uh, I guess just to, to wrap up, uh, we should probably get into a, a little bit more on the development side for next uh, episode. I know my pro skate's happening. and I talked to Anthony Stewart uh, today and they're doing something in Toronto with their pro skate and maybe we can create little rivalry league play where nice. you know, no, no body contact, but let's see what, you know, just to, to get the guys development going and get them prepped for, for their respective season. So again, awesome uh, touching base with you. Uh, and I look forward to hooking up again next week. Likewise, buddy. I want to take a second to uh, shout out for the Urso family. I met him out in Chicago. I met Morgan and Urso uh, a couple of years ago to a company called same here. Um, great organization helps with mental health. And I got a chance to sit down with them and meet their family when I was out in Chicago last week. So I just want to say hi to them. I know they listen in. I got a chance to meet the mom, the daughter, and the brother. Uh, great people out of Chicago and a great story. And uh, lastly, I don't know if anybody's paying attention to the video of this for about a half an hour. This fly was flying around me. I almost had a Walter White moment, but I want you guys to know if you saw it, I got it. And this fly is no longer existing. And uh, sorry for his distraction. It was great connecting with you, Danny. Appreciate everybody listening. Um, look forward to connecting next week and talking more hockey. And I was always on point, buddy. Good job. <laughs> I got him. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Shrimp and Savrette Show. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nation Network YouTube channel to watch all of our video breakdowns.